Ephesians 5. One of the things that uh, in just talking to some of the veterans again, uh, because of it being Veterans Day, you're reminded of the fact of rank being important. And uh, I did not, when we had uh, just the names posted, I did not put all the the titles that uh, these individuals ended up having as far as ranking, but uh, they were telling me staff sergeant and, and we, the, the, the items like that. I can remember as a child uh, with my dad being in the Air Force, I figured out what all the rankings were. It starts the second lieutenant, lieutenant captain, major, lieutenant colonel, colonel, and then there was a little um, statement on how to remember all the generals. There was a, a, a word or rhyme, be my little general, and you go, what does that mean? Brigadier general, major general, lieutenant general, and then just general. Uh, if you were general, then you were uh, really important. Uh, but you had that ranking system, and you said, well, why uh, is there that ranking system? Well, it was uh, you didn't want to pull rank uh, because uh, that meant you were doing something you weren't supposed to be doing. But uh, you understood in the military that there was for the good of the unit cohesion and army cohesion, uh, cohesion that you needed to have individuals that were ranked uh, higher to give orders to be able to give organization and structure to the military. And uh, as you look at the Word of God and you read through the Word of God, you realize that there's a lot of things that God gives as far as structuring in our world today. Things that uh, go on in our world that uh, we have uh, been given uh, as far as organization. It's not to necessarily say that one person is more important than the other one. It's just that some have been given responsibility just for the cohesion of everything to work. And when we get to the, the understanding that that is the case, Ephesians chapter 5 it talks about uh, that the, sometimes the difficulty that is had as we go through in life sometimes uh, just trying to get used to uh, being in a certain kind of structure. Ephesians 5 verse 17 says this, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And then this statement, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to your heart uh, to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. What you have in Ephesians chapter 5 is a, a, a passage that is just simply marking out uh, what it's like to no longer be like the Gentiles. You go, what does that mean? Being like what the world's like. And how is this marked off? Well, it's marked off by a different way of living. And it comes from an individual, as we find in verse number 18, being filled with the Spirit. And you go, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, being filled with the Spirit does not, uh, we should not get a picture of a glass that's half full or as some would say half empty depending on your perspective of life. Uh, that's sometimes what people go. They go, well, do I have enough of the Spirit? Do I, do I need more of the Spirit? That's not what this is saying. The idea of uh, the word fill there is the idea of being controlled by the Spirit. 
Just as individuals, if they take an excess of wine, uh, suddenly are controlled by uh, that alcohol and do things that they would never do otherwise in many cases, so it is uh, when people are allowing the Spirit of God, where they're just simply saying, Lord, you have control, I'll let you do what you need to do, that uh, they're capable of doing things that they would not normally in their flesh, in their own flesh nature, be able to do. And Paul gives a few examples here of things that happen for individuals who are controlled by the Spirit. First of all, you have in verse 19, these are individuals who are able to sing praise to God. They're just uh, able to do this without any problems. Uh, before they were saved, they wouldn't be caught singing hymns. They, they wouldn't be caught uh, singing praise to God. They would not have been doing those things. But an individual who is controlled by the Spirit, it just flows out of them. They sing songs of praise to God. The, the challenges of the hymns uh, and uh, this are, are something that goes on in their not only out loud, but as you see the statement, making melody in your heart. I mean, something that flows right out of the inner being of an individual that they're willing to do this. Secondly, you see, and it's, a, it's something that you see in our Thanksgiving season, a passage that's oftentimes uh, put there, but there has got to be uh, something that goes on called giving thanks. People who are unsaved are unthankful for a lot of things and, and the like, but a, a believer is thankful even in sorrow, even in difficult times. We're getting ready to, to go through on Wednesdays uh, the life of Job, and, and uh, you find uh, if you were Job, you're like, well, what was there to thank God for? By the end of that, you find Job's got all sorts of things to thank God for and praise him for, but uh, it is uh, sometimes hard to give thanks, but when a person is filled by the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit, they see things to be thankful for. They, they, they aren't having to go look for them, it's just natural for them to go, well, God's worthy of praise, God's worthy of thanksgiving, look at what he's done, and it flows out of them. But what you also see is the third thing, and this is the hard thing, because we as individuals are prideful individuals. We like to be first. We like to be chief. But a person who is controlled by the Spirit is one who is able to submit themselves to others. You go, what's that mean? They're willing to put themselves in rank. They're willing to put themselves in the order that they're supposed to be in. And we're going to look at some passages where we're told uh, the fact of how we're supposed to submit. But I am going to say this from a Christian perspective and understand this, that sometimes we think, okay, submission is only for individuals who are under leadership. Now, submission is only for individuals like that. But that's something that the Lord was very clear was not to be the attitude of individuals. And that list that you have there, the, the, the statement that I have underneath Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21, I say the fact that submitting is for leaders also. And you have a passage there in Mark chapter 10. This is a story that's told both in Matthew and Mark and Luke. And uh, as a story that's told there, but it's the case when uh, John and James come and uh, in one account, they actually bring their mother along with them. 
You know, who can refuse somebody's mother? And they come along and they say to, to the Lord, um, if it be possible, when you set up your kingdom, can we sit on your right and left hands when you set up your kingdom? Now, mom asked this, and the, the accountant Mark, it looks like James and John are asking this, but they're basically saying, can we have the chief seats in your kingdom? You'll be the king, but can we be your royal advisors on the right hand and the left hand, and you put us there, uh, and we'll be the ones in charge? Now, this is a misunderstanding on their part, because initially what they thought the Lord was coming for, not for the saving of them on a cross, they thought he was coming to be a sovereign to rule over the earth, they were mistaking what he was coming to do. Uh, he will one day come and rule and reign, but not at this time what they're looking for. And you read the account, uh, it talks about in Mark chapter 10, that the other 10 disciples were angry about this. You know, they were mad about this, that these two brothers had come and asked about it. And I can tell you why they were angry. Because they hadn't thought of it first that they hadn't thought to ask for a position of rank in the kingdom. That was their the thought process. And so they were angry at the other two uh, because they thought they were getting something that would make them the leaders rather than the others. And you find the Lord has to call them together. And this is not the first and the only kind of conversation Jesus had with his disciples that was like this. But you see Jesus in verse number 42, Mark chapter 10, you, you see the statement there, but Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles, over the nations, exercise lordship, or you could put the word dominion uh, over them. And their great ones exercise authority and the idea upon them, it's this idea of pressure. They're pressing down on everybody underneath them. But so shall it not be among you. He's talking to his disciples, followers of him. Uh, and he makes this statement, whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister or you you could put it as it's translated in other passages shall be your servant and whosoever will be chiefest among you shall be servant the word there ought to be the word slave of all now lord is telling these disciples that leadership is not necessarily a position though it is a position of respons responsibility it's a position of opportunity. The opportunity as a leader is to be able to serve in a greater capacity, not to lord in a greater capacity. To have dominion upon other people in a greater capacity. To press down upon others and tell them what to do. No, the positions of leadership that you receive are opportunities to serve, to minister to one another. And you say, well, the Lord doesn't know what he's talking about. He did, because you see Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, which is really the theme verse for the whole of Mark. A verse that really kind of states what the Lord came for. It says this, for even the Son of Man, where Jesus is referring to himself, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and how would he minister? In the greatest way he possibly could. The greatest sacrifice, the greatest service that could be done. It was this, that he gave his life a ransom. 
He paid the price. He paid the penalty for our sins. He did this for many. Many could be saved, uh, and he did this, uh, and he was willing to, even though he was king of kings, lord of lords, he's the creator of the universe, he is the one who could have commanded 10,000 angels to come and rescue him, he had that capability. He didn't come here to be, well, in the sense of lord, he came to minister, to serve. He was giving an example for us as believers that though there are positions of leadership that we have, we ought to realize that that leadership position is one of service. It is one that's going to be uh, one of sacrifice. You have a, a lot of uh, people that use this terminology when it comes to leadership uh, in our world. It's the idea of servant leadership. You know, it's almost, people will say it sounds like an oxymoron. How can you have a servant and a leader? But you can have both. It's not a paradox that can't come together, but it is uh, something that the Lord exemplified. He was meek. Well, what is meek? Meek is strength under control. Used to serve, used to help. So it is for every believer that we ought to be able to submit, but as leaders be able to serve. And so as we talk about this idea of submission, uh, there is a back and forth that you're going to see in some of these passages uh, that even though an individual might be in a position of leadership, it doesn't mean they lord or have dominion or oppress other people. I would say this, and I'll say there is a book of our Bible, as you read 1 Corinthians, there were individuals attempting to lord their position over other individuals. Reading 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there were certain individuals that could speak in tongues and what they were saying to everybody else were more important than you are rather than recognizing if they had the ability to speak in tongues, it was an opportunity to serve, to minister to the congregation, to be able to do that. Even though they might be in a position of leadership and have that ability, it wasn't something to be able to impress others or say we're more important than you are it was an opportunity to serve. And so when you have this statement in Ephesians 5 and verse 21, it says, submit yourselves. The idea is to put yourself in rank under or put yourself in order under uh, to one another in the fear of God. Uh, we just have to remember that's a statement to all of us. Whether we might at one time be in a leadership role and another time be in a, well, in the order role underneath in our ranking. We're to submit to one another in the fear of God. And you look at the list that we have there and you say, what situations do we have that we're supposed to submit to one another? What are the examples that the Apostle Paul gives? Well, the very first one that he gives there after verse 21 where he says, submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God, uh, you see the statement that wives are to submit to husbands. Wives, uh, verse 22, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. He makes a statement, and in our culture, you preach a passage like this, and it's, it's uh, you know, people suddenly start preaching, you're preaching slavery, and the answer is no, that's not what this is, because there is a, a flip side of what the husband uh, has is his responsibility and service, even though he's a leader. But as you have a passage like this, there's this reminder that 
even in the church, I mean, we, we, we are under some kind of authority. All of us are. Doesn't matter. But especially in the church, we realize that if we're part of a church, we have, as that passage says there, that we have one that's over the church. Ephesians talks about the church being a body. Colossians, that book that goes along with Ephesians, talks about the fact that there's a head over that body, and that head is Christ. And that as a church, we have to submit to Christ, do what He challenges us to do, and uh, to follow and serve Him. So it is for wives, you submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. You would do this uh, for the Lord, you would also do this for your husband just to keep the order in society, to keep some structure where you can have things go on and happen in life. So wives, you submit yourselves unto your own husbands, but you have then that reverse statement, as we said, for the leaders, it's not that you get to lead and have dominion. There is a leadership opportunity to serve. And one way a servant is putting themselves under somebody else to help them. Because you see in verse number 25 there, and husbands to wives, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself." And the idea of love there is the idea of sacrifice. Okay, it's selfless. And so, submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of the Lord. Women, you've got a certain order in the household uh, as far as this is concerned. But husband, you don't use that position as a lord, uh, lording position to have dominion over them. It's an opportunity to serve, to show love, to reflect the love Christ has for us to be able to do that. And so this idea of submitting, you go, those things aren't easy. Okay, go back to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. It's not going to be easy, but if you're saying, Lord, do what you need to do in my life, these things become easier. Okay, they, they become uh, something we can do because we're, it's not us, it's the Spirit that's in us that is moving us and helping us to do what we ought to do. You see the, the passage that uh, children don't ever like when they hear this one, but uh, there is a ranking system, though our world has kind of flipped it on its head, that children are more important and rule over parents. You know, let them rule the roost, uh, and the parents are just there uh, to help move them along. Well, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is you know, okay might be okay we you know, really don't have to pay attention no this is right honor thy father and thy mother which is the first commandment with promise and you go through the ten commandments this is the first commandment that has a, a promise attached to it in the ten commandments that it may be verse verse three that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth you think about in the Old Testament, uh, if you were a rebellious child, it could get to the point where your life would be shortened. Um, and uh, that's kind of what it's hinting at here. A person who refuses the leadership of parents uh, could end up living a short life. If you're a rebel, you might put it this way. And we can probably go through and think of individuals who were rebellious in their youth and, and their life was shortened as a result of it. It just happens. 
But here the Lord says, children, obey your parents. Well, guess what? Children are just as selfish and prideful as anyone. In fact, they are chips off the old block. They're, they're like us in many ways. We've got pride. We've got selfishness. Well, it's magnified in them. They don't realize all the things that happen if they don't obey. They don't follow the rules because they think they know everything. But what the Scripture says, children, obey your parents. You hear under them. That's what that word obey means. You hear under. And, and the idea of hearing under is that you're going to do what is told to you. But on the other side, verse 4, you see this statement there, parents to children, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now we can do things as parents that frustrate our children because they don't get a hearing. Okay, that, that sometimes is a, a problem, is that there's no hearing given to the child and they have at times legitimate questions. They're not sure why things are going on a certain way and a parent goes, you do it just because. Now, understand this is a, in the parenting and we aren't going to get into a parenting session here, but when they're younger... There's a lot more just telling them, because we said so. We go, why? Because they don't understand. They're not going to understand if you sit down and reason with them. But there does come to a point in time where they are of an age where they can begin to understand certain things. And it is uh, good to challenge and admonish and go, okay, this is why we do these things. This is why we're having you do this. And they still may know and obey. And the parent goes, okay, well, you're going to do it anyhow you do understand and hopefully by the time you're done with your children they understand certain things because the parent has taken the time to yeah explain things show things display things to them and you say that's not easy no it's not it requires sacrifice on the parent's part a selflessness uh, on the parent's part to be able to raise children and so even though they're a leader, there is an opportunity to serve. The children being put in your household is an opportunity to serve, not just merely to be a lord over individuals. You see uh, on the back page there, it uh, kind of uh, broke it out here, uh, employee to employer. Verse 5 of Ephesians chapter 6 uh, says this, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart with good will doing service as to the Lord, not to men, knowing whatsoever good thing that any man doeth, the same shall he receive the Lord, whether he be bond or whether he be free. The idea there is this, that your serv servants you obey your masters now we don't have that in our society but what we have as a reflection here is the boss and employee and do you realize at times even as a christian you're going to be working for individuals that are not saved individuals and there might be in your own soul going well those people are unsaved i don't have to pay attention to them they don't know what they're doing i know better but you know in this passage it doesn't have that qualifier only submit and obey your masters if they're christians no uh, the apostle paul uh was dealing with individuals 
who were in the most difficult of work circumstances, they were a servant or a slave. I mean, that's not the easiest of uh, work circumstances. But regardless of the fact, they're supposed to do things uh, according to the, the, it says this, with fear and tremble and singleness heart as you would serve the Lord. I mean, if we looked at our employer and just kind of said, I'm working for him as if the Lord was here. If the Lord was my boss. And there is this element that they would change the way we would work because it wouldn't just be merely with eye service, you know, when the boss can see me. Well, if you're thinking that your boss is Christ, you know that he can see you at all times. He's with you at all times. That's going to change the way that you work for your boss. And they may do things as far as bosses that you may not agree with. This is not saying that you need to sin. I mean, you had that in the story this morning. Joseph was told by a boss to sin, and he refused. That's not what this passage is saying. There may be decisions where your boss decides to uh, use equipment recklessly uh, and break it, might break it and the like, and your boss says, we're going to do it this way, and you kind of go, well, I don't think we should do it this way, and the boss goes, go ahead and do it. Okay. And that's hard. And one of the favorite things to do around the water cooler is complain about what the boss has said, what he's told you to do until the boss shows up. You know, talk about that when the boss is there around the water cooler. The fact is, is that uh, believers are ones who will serve their bosses, will put themselves underneath their bosses and serve as if they're serving Christ. I would say, as we looked at that story of Joseph this morning, uh, that man saw Christ. He saw the Lord in the life of Joseph. As you read that story, he saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord was blessing him. And this master who's an unsaved man, who's named after a pagan god, he's not a saved man. Joseph works for him, and the man gets an understanding reflection of who God is because Joseph faithfully works and does what he's supposed to. Now, on the other hand, as you think about this whole idea of submission, there is in leadership responsibility, if you're a boss, uh, there is this importance, and ye masters do the same things unto them. You go, what's that? Uh, you're serving them as if Christ is here. Forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is the respect of persons with him. Just simply says this, you shouldn't uh, say one employee is more important than another employee. I don't care about that one. I care about this one. And you go, then you've got all sorts of problems. No, you think about what Jesus did. He came to serve uh, the, best of, or the, the worst of sinners and the best of humanity. And he treated them the same way. He served them the same way. And so as a master... There ought to be impartiality uh, in your dealings and a kindness that is shown to those that are there, an opportunity to serve. I have some other passages there that uh, aren't connected with Ephesians chapter 5, but do talk about the idea of submission or being in a certain rank and order and certain responsibilities that are there. You know, churches are, are responsible to submit to pastors. 
You read there in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17, it says them, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. You know, as a a pastor, I'm responsible and so there are things that I one day am going to have to give an account for. And it's going to be you uh, in some cases. Uh, And the Lord says, you ought to submit, not necessarily to the preacher. Realize this, the preacher is, as 1 Peter talks about, is merely the under-shepherd for the shepherd. And it's not that you view the pastor as God. Okay, Don't get that understanding. But the fact is, is the pastor has a responsibility of authority in the church. But that doesn't mean the pastor lords the authority over the church. Realize there's a lot of decisions that are made in this congregation, not because I, the pastor, have made them. No, it's because congregations made them. And the pastor listens to them. But the fact is, is the pastor does have a responsibility. At times, there are certain reasons I preach certain passages. There are certain reasons I say certain things in certain sermons. is because I know there's a watching of soul that I have to do. A challenge for your mind and your consideration to hear. And so there are responsibilities that I have. And sometimes, I will tell you this, if you're hearing the preaching and you walk out, you're going to know that you got your toes stepped on. And you go, that's because pastor hates me. No, it's not because pastor hates you. If I'm going through the Word of God, I'm going to come to passages that I'm already getting stepped on on uh, when I come into it and I'm preaching it to you and you're getting your toes stepped on too. But the fact is, is that the church bears a responsibility to, well, respect, honor what the, the preacher is saying. But on the other side, uh, 1 Peter 5, verses 2 and 3 says this, pastors, we've got a responsibility to be servants. 1 Peter 5, 2, passage written to pastors, says this, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre. You say, what's that? You're not doing this for the money but of ready mind, neither as being, see that statement there? Not as lords over God's heritage, that I am the Lord and you are to rule or to listen to my rule and my authority and use that position. But here's the, the opposite of it, but being what? Examples, examples to the flock, a type for them to be able to follow. And so pastors, the churches uh, have a responsibility of service you know think about uh, that picture of shepherd uh, the shepherd uh, is not being served by those sheep <laughs> uh, sheep wander and do their own thing and and it will come to you when you feed them but that's you know they need help getting the direction that they need and the course that they need and so it is as a as a pastor you realize you're dealing with sheep just like yourself and that sometimes you just need to, well, lead, but it's really a, a work of service. It's not a, a pretty service sometimes of what you have to deal with, but you do it. 
Then you have this passage in uh, 1 Peter 5, just after this passage written to pastors, there is this statement that says that younger should submit to older. 1 Peter 5, verse 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud. But what does he do? He gives grace to the humble. The understanding is here is that in our generation, the older generation is to be completely ignored. You know, we've got new ways of doing things. We've got new thoughts on how things should go on. But uh, what is forgotten is that uh, you have individuals who have life experiences. They have wisdom because of having lived through life and they can give direction I always find it a dangerous thing that you have uh, young ladies that have children that aren't willing to listen to older ladies that might have had children to give some wisdom on how things should be done. Or you have young men that think they know everything and aren't willing to have someone that is older that they're willing to go, okay, oh, what do you think about this? I mean, likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. I remember an occasion of an individual that was in our church, uh, and I won't say what church, but I remember them being an individual that said, I'm an elder because I'm older. I think he was probably in his 80s at that time, and he said, people should submit and listen to me because I'm older. The problem was, is you know, you have the reverse of this. He was not a humble individual. He was a very proud individual. And it was hard for individuals to come to him, and he was like, people aren't listening to me. Well, part of it was because he was a very prideful man. That's why the apostle, or excuse me, the apostle Peter has that statement in here, yea, all of you be subject to one another. And you say, how is that? Be clothed with humility. Understand that though you may be older and can give help, that doesn't mean you need to be prideful in the process of this. There may be, okay, this is something to think about. Uh, you may be in your 80s, but there may be something that you can learn from somebody that's younger. I mean, I think about this as a, as a pastor. You know, I, I'm not as young as you think I am, Okay. I'm still not in my 20s and my 30s. I'm actually in my 50s, but some of you are in your 80s and your 90s. And I'm thankful that you listen to me. That you hear the preaching. You go, well, he doesn't have all the experience we have. I, I, hopefully I've got something for you. But that doesn't mean I, I don't listen to what you have to say. Because there is some wisdom in that. I think of the previous ministry that I was in. I went there and uh, I went there and I, I, I tell people I only had a 56% vote to go there, which, you know, that most people would say, don't take it. And I did because A, the Lord called me there and B, I knew what the circumstances were going on in that ministry. But... One of the things that people said is don't take that ministry because the former pastor is still there. Now, 
I went there and knew what kind of man he was because I had grown up with his children in the city of Chicago years ago. I knew what he was like. And he was in his 80s, and I was at that point a 40-year-old coming in to take over a church. And I can remember coming to him on a few occasions and going, Pastor, said, what do you think in this situation? And you know what? He never really said anything to me. Because I don't think he wanted me to be shaded by the fact of him being an older pastor shaping the views that I had. But you know what he said? And it was an encouragement to me as a pastor. Whatever you decide to do, I'm behind you. You know, I, I did get some advice him on a couple of occasions where you'd go and I, what am I supposed to do here? You've been here, you were pastor here for 20 years. This is a situation I'm unfamiliar with. Could you get me up to speed? And what's your thoughts on this? And he would every once in a while give some wisdom on that. But as a pastor, to have an individual who was older that I could go to, but yet on the other hand, he was willing to follow the lead of one who was coming into a church as a head pastor for the first time. He had been the pastor of two churches for a lengthy amount of time, and he was willing to listen. That had impact. And hopefully I had some impact on him. So even this idea of younger to older, uh, understand, yes, we need to submit as, well, younger people to some of the older and hear what their thoughts and ideas are, but the reverse ought to be the same too, that sometimes maybe we need to hear things from those that are younger and it can be a help. This idea, we're reflecting to one another, we can have ministry to one another, no matter what our age is, but we ought to hear one another. The last one that we have there is the one that's always the controversial one. That we as citizens have a responsibility to government to submit to them. It says this, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers for there's no power of God and the powers that be are ordained of God. And you read the rest of the passage, I didn't put it there, but it's just simply saying this, that the government is there to control those that are doing evil and to reward those that are doing good. And that you ought to submit to them. But do you realize there are certain times where you don't submit to them? And it's not because you disagree with exactly their political position? You can think of a couple cases in the book of Acts where you have individuals that are commanded by a government to do something that goes directly against the word of God. And you have these apostles that saying, well, we would love to be able to do what you say, but we will preach the name of Christ. We will follow him because that's the higher power. Christ told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And they were being forbidden by the government to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And said, listen, on this one, we're willing to follow you, even though we don't agree with all your policies sometimes. But we're willing to obey and uh, submit, except in an area where there is a higher power. God's the higher power in this case. And we do have, and I will say this, in the United States, we do have a, I want to say weird form of government. In the history of mankind, an odd form of government. Because 
we get to vote for things and we get to vote for change. For the most part, throughout human history, it's one or two individuals or a group of elite individuals that tell everybody what they're supposed to do. And so that kind of us, us as Americans, we kind of get this idea, oh, I don't have to submit to government if I don't like it. And you're like, well, there are some rules and laws that are not moral in any way, shape, or form, and that you may not exactly agree with them, but I'm supposed to do what? I'm supposed to submit. You know, I don't like that it says 20 miles an hour in here. I'm going to drive 75. Okay, well, guess what? If they stop you, they're trying to protect those that are around. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, or as you see in 1 Peter 2, verses 13 and 14, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. I mean, we're supposed to submit to every ordinance, whether, you know, at times it's the king or at times it's the governor and the, the like and, and these type of things. And in our system, once again, we've got a weird system because it's a federal and state laws, and sometimes they contradict one another and the like. But the fact is, is we ought to have the attitude of, okay, okay we'll, we'll, we'll submit to these things. Now, I did not include any verses, and I could go through a lot of passages in the Old Testament especially, where it's the fact that the government is there to serve but I'm not in Washington, D.C., and there's not a whole lot of individuals I know of in here that are involved directly in politics, so I don't have that challenge there. But you can look at the Old Testament where the Lord time and time goes, uh, goes after individuals that are using their positions as a position to oppress others and to hold others down and to get what they want. And the Lord judges those individuals because they're not showing justice. They're not showing mercy. They're not doing good. They're not being servants to the ones that they're over. They're not serving their needs. So you've got this lengthy two-page sheet and uh, you fall into a lot of these categories where either you're supposed to submit or on the other side, use your position of leadership and use it to serve, to help individuals, to move them along. And you say, that's not the easiest thing because people aren't as lovely as I am. Okay, <laughs> No, the, the fact is, is uh, we're supposed to do this for the lovely and the unlovely, the good and the twisted and perverse. I was thinking about that. I didn't have that passage when it came to working for a employee or employers who are not the nicest of individuals. But First Peter 2 talks about working for these individuals who are twisted and perverse. And that you submit and work for them in a light, in a way that would reflect Christ even though they might be some of the most rotten of individuals. So we have this responsibility. It is not easy, and you say, I have a hard time uh, with certain individuals and certain places and this type of thing. But I know I'm supposed to submit. You go, well, what's, what's the answer to this? That you just simply say, Lord, I need help. I'm letting your spirit have control in the situation because if I have control of this situation, I'll do things that aren't good. They'll be hurtful, destructive. But Lord, in this situation, in order to submit or to be able to serve, I just need your help. I can't do it on my own. 
And when you are reflecting that way, it is amazing what the Lord is able to suppress in our own flesh nature, what our normal reaction would be, what we would normally be like if we're just simply willing to say, Lord, I need your help. I need to submit, but it's hard. That other person's not perfect. And as a leader, I need to serve that person. They're not perfect, just as I'm not perfect, but Lord, I need help serving them. And so we just need to remember, and, and I will say this, all these one another's that we've been going through in this passage, the church is a testing ground for this. Hopefully you've got nicer people to deal with here where you can learn to submit and you can learn to serve in an environment like this. It's like a, a, the church ought to be like a greenhouse. You say, what do you, what's a greenhouse? A greenhouse is an environment where you put plants and they start to learn to grow and, and do things and, and expand and the like. And then you take the plant out of the greenhouse and put it out in the real world. You know, see if it can handle that environment once you've raised it here. Well, these type of things of submitting and serving one another... The church ought to be the greenhouse where we get used to doing this type of thing. We understand we're trying to, to work out and reflect Christ and see these things happen uh, in our lives so that when we do get out in the real world, we've already been doing these kind of things in an environment where you hopefully have people that are trying to help us do what we should and are reflecting the same things back, uh, that we see that. And then we get out into the real world and we're able to reflect some of these things because it's a learned activity, a learned habit, a learned response. And so uh, the one another's here, just remind ourselves, it's a talking about our interactions with one another as believers. But it ought to be that then this gets reflected as we go out these doors, get out of the environment that's here and go into a world that doesn't understand. We ought to be reflecting these things that we've learned to do to one another here in this congregation. Lord, we thank you. A reminder, and this is uh, the, the passage that you look at, and it's uh, one of the hardest ones because we all are under different forms of leadership. But it's also hard because we do have some leadership responsibilities. And sometimes it's hard for us to submit to individuals who are not perfect. But on the other side of it, it's sometimes hard for us to lead and serve others because they're difficult. But we have the responsibility to reflect Christ's love, Christ's sacrifice, Christ's selflessness. He was willing to submit to a world like this, even though he was the Lord of Lords, in order to serve, to help others. And so, Lord, help us with this idea it's understanding that we have to submit, keep some order in society and keep some structure, but do it in a way that reflects our Savior and that we are individuals that are controlled by the Spirit. So give us, uh, even this week, as we go through different activities and different uh, things, may we see you do a work restraining our own flesh nature and help us to reflect Christ when it comes to this issue of submitting to authority, and being one who is in authority. And may we reflect Christ in this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.